Hi everyone, and a very warm welcome to the Dr. Christian Heim podcast. We're really happy you joined us. My name is Caroline Heim, and I'm sitting here with Dr. Christian Heim. Hi there. And today we're going to be talking about how to find your self-worth in who you are, not in what you do. This is actually part of a three-part series on anxiety, and this is the last part. So, Christian, what are we looking at today? Today, in a nutshell, we're looking at getting your sense of self-worth in who you are, not what you do. Now, what I mean by that is to decrease anxiety, you simply need to be who you are, not what you do. After all, you're a human being, not a human doing. Can you explain that a bit more? Oh, well, yeah, I suppose I need to, don't I? Yeah. All right. So we know that contemporary life is far more exciting than life in a medieval town because we do more. We have more opportunities. We have more technology. We have much more excitement, but we also have more anxiety. But there's another difference in the two types of life, and it leads to a shift in ourselves. Because we can do more, because there are more opportunities, we begin to value ourselves in terms of what we do, rather than value ourselves because of the people around us who love us. And if we take the people for granted, then unfortunately, we can lose them. Also, in our contemporary society, we actually get rewarded with money or recognition for our achievements, but we don't get rewarded with love. People don't actually love you for your achievements. People might adulate you like celebrity actors or rock stars, but that doesn't mean that they love you. Okay. In fact, celebrities often wonder if people love them just for their fame and for their achievement. And it's a big issue in a celebrity's life to make sure that the people around them love them just for who they are. Yeah, they're quite often very anxious people. Yeah, they are. They're very anxious people. Mm. They've had to be anxious to be driven to get to where they are. And then when you get there, the question is, well, who am I? Do people actually love me for who I am? I mean, imagine a rich and famous person out on a date, okay? Now, they're actually quite anxious because they want to know, is somebody going to love me just for being me? Or are they here because I have a lot of money or I've got a great body or I can sing well or act well or whatever it is? And we have thousands upon thousands of movies that are about falling in love for love. In fact, in our movie Aladdin... One of the subplots, one of the themes is falling in love for love, not money or position. Princess Jasmine had to make sure that Aladdin wanted her for her. Because you see, people who really love us, they're going to love us if we achieve or not. You always get loved for being who you are, not for what you do. You get loved for being a human being, not a human doing. Just ask your mum if she'd love you more if you earned more money. No way. No way. That's right. That's <laughs> yeah, right. No, it's not based on that. No, it's not based on that. That's right. But you see, we base our value of ourselves sometimes too much on what we do. So the take-home message early on here is surround yourself with love and take care of those who love you, your family, your friends, because that is how you can be real. And when you see your worth in who you are, and through the people who love you, 
They know you and they value you for who you are, not your achievements, not in what you do. So how does contemporary living only value what you do? Okay. Yeah, let's take an introduction, just a normal introduction. Let's say you're at a party and you're meeting this this, uh, woman whose name is, let's say, Katrina. Katrina's in her late 20s. And this is a normal introduction from somebody at a party. Hi, my name's Katrina. I'm in my final year of studies. I'm majoring in information technology and Spanish. One day, I hope to work in a company putting together software for international business transactions. I want to spend more time in Argentina because I love dancing. Okay. Now, let's look at that introduction because Katrina has just introduced herself by what she does and what she hopes to do in the future. You can probably find her on social media and she probably presents all the things that she does in a likable way. And most of it is true. Now let's get to a second introduction where Katrina is being more of who she is. Okay, hi, my name's Katrina. I'm a warm, generous, loving person who's mostly fun and helpful. Yeah, but sometimes I can lie and manipulate people to get my own way. But my brother and my mother, they really love me the way that I am. (laughs) Okay, so you're not going to put that on a CV. No, you're not going to put that on a CV. And let's face it, we don't go around introducing ourselves like that. Okay, I know that. But Katrina, in what she just said there, is being more who she is rather than who she does. Right. She talks about the good side of herself and her weaknesses. She talks about the people that love her, her mum, her little brother, and, and even her close friends, I dare say, know that she can lie and manipulate a bit. But here's the thing. They love her anyway. She doesn't have to do anything to get that love. Her struggles and her choices are closer to the real Katrina. But is there a fear in society that that people don't actually love you in that way? Well, that is a fear. Fear is that we're going to be rejected. But here's the thing. This is why I ask people to keep contact with the people who love you that won't reject you. Your parents, your friends. Because true friends won't reject you when they find out more about you. They'll actually like you more. In fact, we have studies to show that your friends actually like you and they actually want to know more about you. Okay. But here's the thing. Like you said, you don't put that stuff on a CV. And because we're putting the CV stuff and the stuff that we do ahead of who we are, Katrina finds her worth in what she does rather than who she is. And because of that, she actually has more anxieties, all right? Because let's see, if she finds a sense of self-worth in what she does, she might fail. What if she fails her last exam? What if she can't dance as well as she thinks she can? What if she never makes it to Argentina? These uncertainties about finding her worth in what she does increases her anxiety. So how does finding your sense of self-worth in what you do lead to increased anxiety? Okay, well, if you look at what you do for your sense of self-worth, now you've got increased expectations. You better succeed. Failure looks pretty bad, actually. You have a need for success, a hope for fame, and you start focusing on these rather than the people that you love. Here's a new anxiety. What if I'm not good enough? What if I fail? What if I'm judged poorly? 
What if I don't make money or get fame? What then? Am I nothing but a waste of space? These are the things that the people I treat share with me in my office. This is what they say. But here's the thing. If you have people around you who love you and you value them, then all of life, even if you fail, doesn't feel too bad. But it's so hard because the world's screaming out for what you do, what you do, what you do, okay? Yeah. We all face situations of success or failure and failure feels really bad. Yeah, it does. Failure does feel bad. And that's why we have to learn to succeed and we have to learn to fail. We have to learn to win and we have to learn to lose. That's why we played games as a kid, win or lose. Do you remember the game Snakes and Ladders? I didn't like it. You didn't like it? (laughs) Why didn't you like Snakes and Ladders? Oh, because I always lost. You always lost. Okay, and losing doesn't feel good, does it? No. No, that's right. So in the game, it feels good to go up a ladder and it feels bad to go down a snake. Well, life is full of snakes and ladders. We are all going to go up ladders sometimes and we're all going to go down snakes sometimes. And yeah, it feels good to win and losing is not much fun. But here's the thing. We can learn from both. I remember time that I went down a snake. I failed my very first university assignment and that did not feel good. And look, this assignment was worth 30% of the whole year's mark. So it felt pretty bad. It was handed in black and white on paper, and it came back black, white, and red. A lot of red biro marks all over it to show me where I'd gone wrong. Those were the days. Those were the days, yeah, and it didn't feel good. And at that moment, I joined the list of failures. I'm going to give you a list of failures. Mark Zuckerberg, who didn't complete university. Steve Jobs who didn't complete university, Hilary Swank, Jennifer Lopez, Oprah Winfrey. Gosh, at the age of 14, she was not looking terribly good. Or Sylvester Stallone, who in his 20s couldn't pay the rent, got kicked out and he slept on the streets for weeks. These people knew how to fail, but they knew how to keep trying until they succeeded. Well, that's, that's pretty sobering because they're very successful now. That's right. And yet it's not the success that's important. It's who they are. Let me give you an example. Um, I like watching the tennis and I'm going to take you to the person who has the record number of failures in Grand Slam men's tennis. This person lost his very first match in the French Open in 1999 And he went on to lose 60 more Grand Slams. He holds the record for the biggest number of losses in Grand Slam history. I'm talking about Roger Federer. I'm talking about the person who we remember because he has won 20 Grand Slams. But you see, he lost 60, which means for every Grand Slam that he won, he has lost three. So Roger Federer had to learn to lose as well as learn to win. But here's the thing. If you look at his family, his twin girls and his twin boys, you can see that his self-worth does not come only from tennis. It comes from something deeper than that. That's so true in him. You can see it in his face, even when he answers all the questions and things at the end. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Roger Federer 
I believe, gets his self-worth from who he is rather than from what he does. So here's a message. You don't fail when you lose. You fail when you don't try. Failure is actually part of success. With every failure that Roger Federer had, he was getting closer to another success. So if you try and fail, like you put in a uni assignment worth 30% and you fail, you're actually on a road to success because you can learn from your failure and do better next time. You fail when you don't play. You fail when you don't hand in an assignment at all. But failure feels bad, though. It, it, it takes courage to think this way. Yes, it does. And courage is a lot easier when you have love behind you. When there are people there for you and with you, when you see a sense of self-worth in who you are rather than what you do, win or lose, succeed or fail, you still have self-worth. Anything we do can be a success or a failure. Anything we do is open to judgment. And feeling judged feels bad. That feels so bad. Yes, Shouldn't we stop judging other people? Well, yes, we should stop judging other people. But here's the thing. Anything that other people do is open to judgment. It is open to criticism. It is open to praise. But being who we are isn't open to judgment. So I'll give you a few examples. If you pay $150 to go to a concert, a rock concert, you will judge that concert. Oh, yeah, that was an awesome concert. No, it wasn't as good as I thought it would be. You will judge a movie. That was a great movie. And I was a bit disappointed by that movie. You will judge a lecture. You will judge everything. You will judge this podcast. You will say, oh, this guy knows what he's talking about. Or no, I've heard that sort of stuff before. Anything that other people do and anything that you do is actually open to judgment. You, me, and everyone gets judged for what they do. And here's a message. That's actually fine. That's how our society works. Judge anything that gets done, but don't judge the person. Mm. Okay? So let's take Roger Federer and let's say he's practicing. He's practicing backhand, which Roger Federer has had a little bit of trouble with. Now, when he's practicing his backhand, he says, that's no good, that's no good, that's no good. He's not saying, I am a failure, I'm no good. He's saying, my backhand is no good. And then he adjusts it. He does something differently. And then he goes, that's no good, that's no good. Ah, oh, that's better, that's better, that's good. Roger Federer praises and criticizes himself. All coaches do this. It's helpful. It helps you learn and to do better. So actually allow yourself to be praised and criticized for everything that you do. That way you'll improve. You'll actually do better. Okay, great. But all right, this is a bit of a, a, a sideball. Um, when people get judged for their looks or their intelligence, you know, that's that's something that's part of who they are. That's right. And because it's part of who they are, it's actually not open to judgment. Mm. All right. So in other words, the problem lies with the people making the judgment. Right. Now, the thing is that we, of course, make these judgments in ourselves as well. True. Okay. But our looks, our intelligence, all those things are not who we actually are. Who we actually are is the love that we have and the choices we make. 
Ask any mother. Ask any friend. Do you have this person because they look good? No, no, no. You love them because they are a person. Do you love this person because they're intelligent? No, no, no. You love that person because they are a person that you love. Yeah, I understand. That's good. Okay. okay. So we're going to get praised and criticized for everything we do. Um, if you're at uni and you put in an assignment, it'll always come back with some things that you did well and some things that you can improve on. And that's actually what you want. All teachers, all lecturers, all bosses, all management, their job is to help you get better. Now, here's the thing. If they criticize you for everything, then people start giving up, okay? If they praise you for nothing, then people start giving up. And the strange thing is, though, if you get praised for everything, eventually you go, hang on, wait a minute, I can't be perfect. This person is not actually helping me. And so you will actually put in less effort. All of us need praise and criticism for us to do things well, to increase our learning and our effort. Learning increases effort. Okay, so we're judged for what we do, not for who we are. Yes, we are. All right, uh, another example. Just try telling your mum, uh, Mum, do you think I'm a good web UX designer? Well, what do you think your mum's going to say to that? <laughs> In the end, she'll say, yeah, that's right. Well, I think you're okay, um, but I really don't know. You better ask your manager or your boss. And it'll come down to this. I don't care if you're a good web designer or not, okay? I am still going to love you just the way you are. Now, a boss is not going to be as diplomatic, okay? A boss is going to tell you if you're doing a good job or not. But here's the thing. Your boss isn't there to love you. Your boss hopefully has a family who accepts them for who they are. But at work, your boss's function is to help you do a job better. But it's a parent that can say, I'm proud of you. I love you. Bosses, teachers and university lecturers need to keep up a standard. If you mix this up, you'll increase your anxiety. Just try this. Ask your mother, would you still love me if I failed at uni? Okay. Of course she would. Ask your mother, what do I need to do to improve at university? Well, your mother may not know the answer to that. So if you ask your university lecturer, would you still love me if you fail my next assignment? <laughs> it's not your university lecturer's job to love you, but... You can always ask your university lecturer, what do I do to improve my assignments? Good advice. All right. <laughs> okay, so the take-home message from this section is you can be judged for what you do. You will be. You will be criticized. You will be praised. But you can't be judged for who you are. And you can't mix the two because there is a big difference between I failed and I am a failure. Okay, so it's really important that it's okay to fail and it's okay to be judged. That's right. In fact, not only is it okay to fail, but it's just going to happen. And not only is it okay to be judged, it's just going to happen. Now, they don't feel good, but whenever you're judged, whenever you fail, you can learn to do better. 
But you need to find your sense of self-worth in who you are, the people who love you, not in what you do. A human being, not a human doing. That's exactly right. You need to be a human being, not a human doing. So to help you with that, I'm going to give you another way to beat anxiety. Uh, In the last one, I talked about BEAT being an acronym for breathe, exercise, awareness, and take time. This time, the B-E-A-T is going to help you be a human being. And this is what I mean. The B is to be yourself. The E is to express yourself. The A is to appreciate the people you love. And the T is to try. Okay. And then I want you to go through those in detail. All right. The B is to be yourself. Now, remember, you are a human being, not a human doing. And sometimes we don't know who we are. If ever you feel that you don't know who you are, ask the people close to you. Ask your parents Ask your close friends, ask your partner. I asked you who I was and you let me know. And that's where the honesty is. And that's when you know when someone's really loving you, if they're that honest with you. That's right. Mm. That's right. So I can be who I am and you will accept that. Mm -hmm. And here's the thing. Friends actually think that you're okay. We have studies to show that people like you more than you realize. Okay, so that's the B. What's the E? The E is to express yourself. And this actually has to do with acceptance because there are a lot of people that are afraid of expressing who they really are because they think, I laugh too loud, I talk too much, I've got a twitch, I stutter, or I'm cross-eyed. And all of these things that stop people from expressing who they really are. Well, look, we live in a society of diversity and accepting diversity. That's what we're struggling with in society today, all right? So if we can accept people of diversity, if we can accept other communities, and we do, then we can accept you even if you laugh too loud. Now, if we can accept people from all faiths and all cultures and all ethnicities, and we're working on that, then there's room for you, even if you talk too much. Now, and if we can accept people who are suffering physical and developmental disabilities, and you've got a twitch or a stutter, then you know what? We can accept you. And if we can accept people who are suffering from mental illness, who have survived trauma, abuse, and neglect, then we can accept you, even if you're cross-eyed. Acceptance includes you. This acceptance stuff is not actually fake. We are moving to a society that is becoming more accepting. And look, something that I like saying is, I've actually not met a person who is not beautiful. Everybody I get to meet in my office, the more I get to know them, the more I get to like them. Because it's a privilege getting to know who people really are. I'm here to tell you that there are so many beautiful people out there. You're probably one of them. And I know that you're one of them. Thanks. Well, that's actually the world that I want to live in. The one that's actually 
accepts people for who they are. Yeah, that's right. Okay, and so what's the A? The A in beat, we've done B for be yourself, E for express yourself, and the A is for appreciate your attachments. Appreciate the people who are close to you, the people that you're attached to, the people who love you, your partner, your parents, your siblings, your friends. Ask yourself, who will stand by me when I'm down and out? Who will love me just the way I am? We have two boys. We miss them terribly. Very much. Oh, we can't even call them boys, can I? No, they're young men now. Yes, we have two young men. That doesn't quite sound right either, does it? (laughs) But we miss our children. We've taken them to beaches. I've built sandcastles with them. I've dammed up rivers with them. We have gone on bushwalks as a family. We've climbed mountains as a family. We've had lots of fun adventures and we've had some sad times too. But we love them just the way they are. They don't have to achieve They don't have to succeed. They are loved for who they are. Look, I want you to think of speeches at birthdays and weddings or big occasions like this. Yeah, sure, some may be clever, some may use a lot of humor, but all that speeches really do are say, you know what, I love this person. I appreciate this person just for who they are. Okay, so what's the T in beat? The T in beat is try. When you are able to appreciate the love that you have behind you, then you're able to try to be the best you that you can be. Here's the thing. Let the record books of life show that you failed. Let them show that you struck out, that you lost, that you went bust, whatever. Just don't let the record books show that you didn't try. I just need to share a story that's really close to my heart. It's happened a long time ago, but one of our boys was a swimmer. He was part of a swim club. And at the end of the year at the swimming club, they have their final races, some for show, some for actual competition. But I want to take you to the 200 metres freestyle. And there were eight swimmers and they lined up for this and the gun went bang and all the swimmers started swimming. It was pretty clear that there was one swimmer that was just not keeping up with the rest. In fact, all of the other seven swimmers had finished before this guy got halfway. But everybody just watched. Everybody cheered him on. Everybody encouraged him. And when he finished, this swimmer was given a standing ovation because he tried The miraculous thing about this swimmer was he only had half a leg and he got into that water and he tried and he came last. That was not a failure. That is a huge success. And I need you all to remember that failure is not failure. Failure is a stepping stone to success. Failure can be a triumph. It can be absolutely wonderful. But every time you avoid putting in the university assignment or the exam or whatever that you need to do, you're actually reinforcing anxiety's power. 
You're actually giving in to your monkey who says, I don't want to go there. I don't want to do it. Face it. Do it. Try. Even if you're going to fail. Try not to get the extensions. Just put it in and try and try again. When I got into medicine, one of my colleagues told me that he had to try six times before he was accepted into the course. He got there. So here's the question. Are you going to do it? Are you going to try? Don't want to give in to your bad monkey, the bad side of your monkey. No, anyway. that's right. You don't want to Make give in to, the... to a bad monkey. That's right. We don't, don't give... try. That's right. We don't want to give in to our bad monkey. So I'll take you back to Aladdin and Abu. To overcome his monkey, Aladdin had to have courage. Now, here's a bit of a secret, because whenever psychiatrists or psychologists treat anxiety, they don't actually treat the anxiety. They don't actually decrease the anxiety. What they actually do is increase the courage that the person has. I needed to increase my courage to get on a plane. I need to increase my courage to do better in my next uni assignment. Aladdin needed to increase his courage to go into the cave of wonders. You will need courage to face anything that you're afraid of. You will need courage to pick yourself up and try again. You will need courage if you don't have legs and you're going to face an auditorium full of people watching you swim. Here's the thing. The word courage is actually from the same root as the word for heart, coronary. Coronary means courage. Whenever you feel your heartbeat, if you can take your own pulse on your neck or on your wrist, you are feeling courage. Now, this courage is actually driven by love, and I'll explain how. In the most anxiety-free state that you have ever experienced before you were born, inside your mother's womb, all that you heard was breathing and this heartbeat. Ba-boom, ba-boom, ba-boom. That That's right. Rhythm, that that lovely rhythm. That rhythm going all the time. And it was very comforting because you knew and you felt your mother's love. Courage is connected to love, to the heart. And to overcome anxiety, you need to feel love and find your sense of self-worth in who you are, not what you do. Thanks so much for joining us. It was really great to have you with us. In future podcasts on anxiety, we're going to be looking at some anxiety specifics such as separation anxiety, social phobia, trauma, worry, perfectionism, that's a big one, avoidance, and how fakeness and lying increase anxiety. Please take care, take time, and watch out for the saber-toothed tigers.